Hello, Hoopaholics. It's Coach Spins here from the Boxing One. We're back after the holiday season and just before the new year with Mock Draft 1.2, an update on our first round and second round of the 2023 NBA Draft projections based on what we've seen over the last couple weeks, particularly as conference play has begun. And if you haven't already, before we get started, make sure you hit that subscribe button to stay up to date for more updates that we have here on 2023 NBA Draft content. At number one overall, we've got Victor Wembenyama, who plays for Metropolitans 92 over in France, 7'3", maybe 7'4", with about an 8-foot wingspan, completely dominant defender, can switch, can protect the rim, just does a little bit of everything on that side of the floor. Offensively, we've seen a full bag of tricks from Wembenyama this year. He scores in isolation. He's an absolutely terrific pull-up shooter. Just has so many different ways that he can beat you as a finisher off the lobs. Uh, Pick and roll threat is going to be huge for him coming into the NBA. He's so explosive as an athlete and just looks fluid for somebody of his size. It's honestly something we've never seen before in a prospect. Throughout the rest of the draft cycle, we'd like to see Victor get a little bit more consistent with his three-point shot. He's dipped below 30% from three once again. It's an area that we've seen growth from him in, but the consistency and how the numbers bear out is going to have a lot to do with how he's defended at the NBA level and the validity of him being a high-volume three-point shooter. So still some areas for Victor to clean up, but his combination of fluidity, shot creation, athleticism, defensive potential, when all of it combines in the way that we've never seen it before, I think Victor is a no-brainer to be not just the number one overall pick in this draft, but potentially the best draft prospect that we have seen since LeBron. In most other drafts, Scoot Henderson would have a really good shot at going number one overall, but he checks in here at number two just behind Victor, and Scoot is an elite prospect in his own right. Really good athlete at about six foot three, controls the tempo with the basketball in his hand, can push and transition. He's got these huge hands that allow him to adapt as a finisher, really good end-to-end speed as well as body contortion when he gets to the rim. I think the underrated parts of Scoot's game, first and foremost, he's an elite scorer in the mid-range area off the pick and roll he's got a great pull-up game really creative at finding ways to get to his floater it's just a guy that's going to be able to score at any level the underrated part of his game number two his passing and playmaking ability he makes every right read out of the pick and roll and can be a high volume creator for others as well as himself Henderson has missed a little bit of time due to injury, but every time he's stepped on the floor, he's been really, really consistent from that mid-range area at involving his teammates and making the right decision time and time again. And he's even worked on extending his jump shot range to be on the three-point line. That's been a long-term area that Scoot needs to address. I'd like to see a little bit more volume from him, but he's knocking him down at a really consistent clip, both out of ball screens when teams try to go under and in isolation settings. Whatever team ends up with Scoot is going to get a three-level scorer with really good passing ability. He just brings it all to the table, and with a little bit more versatility on the defensive end, he is going to be an incredibly well-rounded superstar for years to come. I'm a really big fan of Scoot. It seems like Amen Thompson from the Overtime Elite program is solidifying himself as the number three overall prospect in this year's draft class and separating himself from a lot of other guys right behind him. Amen is one of the best vertical athletes that we've seen. Really, really bouncy once he gets ahead of steam towards the rim. 
He's about six foot seven with long arms, really good handle over the ball, and the fluidity and the changes of pace that he plays with is absurd. Not just a vertical athlete, but a stop-start athlete. He can go from zero to 60 quickly, and he puts pressure on the rim in a flash. A really good finisher because of how he can contort his body. He's also an exceptional passer and playmaker. You can put him in the pick and roll or just get him downhill, and he's going to make the right read, not just for himself, but for his team and his teammates. Now, Thompson as a scorer outside of about 12 feet leaves a lot to be desired. It's an area he's got to improve on this year to be able to prove that he's going to be a number one option at the next level. But with his level of athleticism and playmaking feel, they're both elite traits. And at six foot seven, we're willing to bet on those, even this high in the draft, over anybody else. To us, the top prospect in college basketball is Cam Whitmore out of Villanova. Really good athlete, about six foot six, maybe six seven, with a power build. It's really amazing what he can do in terms of his movement ability for somebody this strong. Cam's entire game is built on power. He plays really well off two feet, uses his shoulders to create contact and separation as a scorer, and has that athletic ability just to be able to, to move himself around based on what the defense gives him. Really good at playing off of two feet, and because of that around the basket, he's going to be a guy that draws a lot of fouls, finishes through contact, and converts on the interior at a high level. He's been coming off the bench for Villanova as he's eased back into the rotation coming off of a thumb injury, and we've only seen glimpses of his athleticism as a result, but he's been very active on the offensive glass, and again, plays bigger than he is at about six foot six. Now, over the last year, we've seen a ton of development from Whitmore as a shooter, and it's much more as a pull-up threat than somebody necessarily off the catch. He likes to dribble to his left so he can get to his pull-up game, and he does a decent job of creating separation off the bounce as a result. We'd love to see Whitmore get a little bit more polished in the mid-range area, as well as making quick decisions, but the offensive ceiling is super high. Because of some small developments and improvements for Sore Thompson on the jump shooting front, we actually have him raising on our board all the way up to number five in this iteration of the mock. Sore is a really, really smart cutter. He plays basketball the right way, knows how to move and manipulate defenses with the ball in his hands and without it. That cutting ability helps him a lot because he isn't a great shooter. And while he is a fantastic athlete, doesn't quite have the elite tools to put pressure on the rim and make those decisions at the second level of the defense in the way that his twin brother Amen does. Asor is still a fantastic passer, somebody that we can see having second side creation responsibilities out of the pick and roll. I think the biggest thing that prevents him from being that number one option is the fact that he's not great at creating his own shot, particularly outside of the rim area. We've seen him take small strides as a jump shooter, particularly in the mid-range off of pull-ups, and if those continue, he may prove us wrong. That's why he's raising all the way up to number five on this mock. At number six, we have Nick Smith from Arkansas, and Smith is currently out indefinitely due to some injury problems that he's had to start the season. He's only played in a few games, but those that he's played in, he's flashed a lot of the potential that made him one of the top prospects coming into this season as a versatile scorer. Smith is a really good on-ball and off-ball threat, a really good cutter knows how to move without the basketball and play off of other stars. That's the biggest reason that we've always had Smith inside of our top eight. We see the appeal to pairing him with another great scorer in the NBA. 
Smith is not very strong or overly athletic, but he's got a good floater in the mid-range and is really crafty at finding ways to get himself to the basket. He converts when he gets to that second level of the defense. What we love about Smith is his catch-and-shoot ability. Really pristine shooter. I think one of the better ones in this draft class. Smooth mechanics as a spot-up threat. Does so on the wings and in the corners. And knowing that he can create out of the pick-and-roll does give him a little bit of three-level competency at the next level. Smith is a scorer at heart, and the ability to play on-ball and off-ball as a backcourt scorer is really valuable in today's NBA. We think Smith is going to be a really good pro. Next up is Brandon Miller out of Alabama. He's been a somewhat polarizing prospect to start the season. Six foot nine, really big initiator and shooting forward. He's a guy that played coming out of high school more as an isolation scorer in the mid-range area, and there were two questions about him. Would he be able to consistently shoot from three, and how would he get to the rim? Well, we've certainly gotten the answer to the first question, as Brandon has been one of the best shooters in all of college basketball to start the season. The deep range ability as a wing, particularly someone who can create both in spot-up situations and off the bounce from really deep range, has a ton of appeal to NBA teams. He's also started to show a little bit more competency in creating for others and having really good pace out of the pick and roll. The snake dribbles, the ability to weave his way in and out of traffic. There's a lot to work with there, even though he doesn't have the athletic traits to consistently put pressure on the rim. Keontae George out of Baylor has proven to be not just a really good scorer this year for the Bears, but a really good facilitator of all of the guards we've talked about at the top of this draft. Outside of Scoot Henderson, he's probably the one that has the best blend between the two, particularly out of the pick and roll. But George is a lot more of a tough shot maker than he gets credit for. And when he gets cooking, he's really, really on. I don't think we've seen that from him yet at Baylor, but we do know that he has the potential to take over games. Playing at Baylor, he shares a lot of reps in the backcourt with other really talented guards, and it doesn't give him the volume to show what he can do as a pick-and-roll creator, but I think that's going to be his best role at the next level is being a high-volume pick-and-roll type of guy, whether it's on the first side as a number one option or as a second side creator. He knows to involve, how to involve everyone around him. As we move into conference play, I do have a few questions for Keontae about his athletic tools, both on the defensive end of the floor and his ability to consistently put pressure on the rim and get separation from good individual defenders. But he is a consistent and solid three-point shooter who can drill shots off the catch. That's going to help raise his floor. I still don't know what to make of Gigi Jackson's game, but the one thing I do know is the youngest player potentially in this year's draft class has an enormously high ceiling on the offensive end of the floor. Six foot nine, maybe six ten, uses his natural strength and physicality really well. If you play him at the three or a wing position, he's going to be able to mismatch posts and take guys down low. I've been really impressed with the fluidity and growth of his perimeter game. He's turned into a decent handler when he can get downhill, particularly going to his right hand, and has some fluid moving ability and the ability to finish with both hands. Gigi has a really long leash to play with at South Carolina, and he's using that to explore the ability to be a pull-up shooter, particularly from the three-point line. He's got to get better at involving others. He's not a very good passer right now and misses a lot of simple defensive rotations. But the ceiling is sky-high for a guy like Gigi, which is why he cracks our top 10 on this mock draft. 
Kaysen Wallace out of Kentucky has been one of the brightest joys to start the season because of how mature and polished of a game he brings to the table. A really, really good, smart defensive player in the backcourt. He can probably guard one through three at the next level. Fantastically quick hands, is not afraid to crowd the basketball, and plays like a free safety as a help defender. But some of the plays that he makes, just ripping the ball out of opponents' hands, being able to move his feet laterally and put people in a straight jacket, he's an incredibly impressive one-on-one one help defender. Now on the offensive end of the floor, I'd like to see Kaysen get a few more pick and roll reps as the season goes on. It's an area of his game that remains underexplored, but at the very least, he does have a very smooth and solid, competent catch and shoot jumper that's going to allow him to play off ball in the NBA. I think of Kaysen's role in the NBA is probably going to be a little bit more like a 3 and D guard, somebody who comes in and guards the opponent's best player in the backcourt, takes them out of the equation while spacing the floor and hitting shots on offense and occasionally making the right read when he attacks. I've always held Anthony Black in high esteem because of his playmaking ability at six foot seven, but he's won me over so far this year because of his defensive intensity, how willing he is to pick up and move laterally with opposing guards, as well as the fearlessness he has as a rim attacker. I had some questions about how he would find ways to score in the half court, and while the jump shot remains a work in progress, he does enough in the open floor because he defends rebounds and can play in transition as a really good defender. And he's really strong off the bounce, finds ways to put his head down and get to the free throw line, is not afraid of contact, is playing a lot more confidently and explosive near the basket than we thought. If he's going to continue to be an above-the-rim type of player, somebody who can create for others out of the pick and roll while being a credible threat to get to the rim, Black has a lot higher potential to be more of a focal point on offense than just a connective piece as we foresaw coming into the season. We'll see if Black can keep this up and continue to take, make strides as a jump shooter, but if he can, he might be able to crack the top 10 on the next iteration of our mock draft. Another fast riser as a freshman cracks our top 12. It's Grady Dick at Kansas. And the biggest reason that he finds himself all the way up here is because of how valuable it is for NBA teams to have a six foot eight floor spacer who can do it off the catch, on the move off screens, and is very, very smart at relocating as a basketball player. Grady's numbers are absolutely fantastic. He's shooting about 50% from three, has some games where he comes out in the first half and is completely unconscious and untouchable. If you leave him open and don't game plan for him at the college level, he's going to find ways to beat you. Super smart cutter too. Feels when he's going to be face guarded and top locked, knows how to cut and move around to get himself free. And with one dribble or less, he's a really consistent finisher near the basket. I'm a big fan of Grady Dix as a role player at the next level. It's been a disappointing start to the season for Duke freshman wing Derek Whitehead. He hasn't quite looked healthy, which is why we're still utilizing his high school highlights here in this version of the mock draft, because this is the version of Derek Whitehead that we expect to see at the next level. He missed a ton of time in the preseason due to a foot injury, and he just hasn't found his groove yet. But about six foot six, really strong body, plays in straight lines, has the ability to score off the bounce both in the mid-range and self-creation abilities, and from three. I see three-level potential as a wing for Whitehead, and this is a guy that as the season goes on, I expect to continue to get into a groove for the Blue Devils. 
Coming into this draft cycle, we had Whitehead number three on our overall board. So we don't want to drop him too far just because we haven't seen the best version of himself when he's been healthy, but there are some real concerns. The lack of separation off the bounce and just looking a little bit slower does have us worrying that as a guy whose game was never predicated on a great first step to begin with is going to be a little bit hamstrung when he gets on a court with better athletes at the next level. The saving grace for Whitehead and what we hope to see a little bit more of this year with the Blue Devils is his playmaking ability. He's not that polished out of the pick and roll yet, but he's got a decent feel for when and how to involve others. I'm really high on Whitehead and hope he turns it around this year. He's a really hard prospect to try to peg right now. We round out the lottery here with Jarris Walker out of Houston, about a six foot eight, six nine forward with really good lateral quickness for somebody of his size and particularly his strength. Walker is built like an ox and he uses that well on both ends of the floor, playing a really physical brand of basketball. Jarris is not going to dominate games on the offensive end of the floor. He hasn't been used a ton as a pick-and-roll type of finisher. That's something we see him having a lot of success with at the NBA level. But for a guy of his size, his body control and his ability on the defensive end of the floor to guard in space is really, really intriguing. I see Walker becoming a strong-bodied four who can defend star wings in space and even play a little bit of small ball five in lineups that he has to. On the offensive side, Walker's game is going to be a lot more predicated on his ability to space the floor consistently. He's shooting 40% from three to start the year, but there are still some mechanical areas to clean up. If he can knock these down consistently game in and game out, he's going to be a real threat on both ends of the floor. Believe it or not, our first upperclassman comes in here at 15. That's Terquavion Smith, a sophomore from NC State, the only returner to have a spot here in the top 15. An electric scorer. Terquavion showed that last year with the Wolfpack. He's picked up right where he left off, bombing away from deep consistently and really, really confidently. I think that Terquavion projects more as an isolation type of scorer and somebody that can play with the ball in his hands in high volume doses. Probably more of a bench role for somebody like him. Not going to say that he has the dynamic passing ability to be somebody that comes in there and completely runs an offense. But if you're looking for an assassin, somebody who can just come in and get buckets, play on ball and off ball, Terquavion is that guy. He's really improved this year as a finisher, plays with a pretty good pace, has decent athleticism, and six foot four is big enough to not be mismatched too terribly on the defensive side. I'd like to see him continue to work on his playmaking and point of attack defense, but if he can just continue to get points, he's going to be a good NBA player. Another fast riser on our board has been Jet Howard at Michigan. Six foot seven, really good three-point shooting wing. Plays off ball in high doses and can stretch defenses out consistently all the way to NBA range. His smooth and compact jumper, along with a high IQ ability to move without the basketball, is going to put him in really valuable territory at the NBA level. I think he's one of the few prospects who can truly be a really good threat coming off of screens, as a movement shooter, off handoffs, and even on second side pick and rolls. Jet is super smart. He's not a great athlete, and that shows up on the defensive end where he struggles a ton, but he makes the right read when he can get downhill and draw two defenders. So whether it's as a second second side pick and roll playmaker or somebody who just is utilized off handoffs, I expect Jet to be a really good and consistent offensive player at the NBA level. Bryce Sensabaugh from Ohio State checks in next. Three-level scoring ability and a rugged frame to go with it. 
He's been very confident scoring the basketball thus far for the Buckeyes. Has a little bit of space creation that he can tap into when he needs. And what I love most about Sensabaugh is the confidence as a scorer. He just comes in and really lets it fly. Has a step back, has a versatile game, really creative, uses his body well, gets to the free throw line a decent amount. I think that's an underrated aspect of trying to evaluate high-level scorers is their ability to just draw contact and get easy ones from the charity stripe. Since the last update of our mock draft, we've seen Sensabaugh buy in a little bit more on the defensive side of the floor. He's competing harder and rising to the challenge of playing better quality teams, and he's a more willing passer. As he continues to show balance between all three of those traits, scoring, passing, and playing defense, his stock can only go up as he continues to ascend towards being a really valuable one-and-done prospect in the 2023 NBA draft. Oregon's Khalil Ware remains on our list at the 18th spot because of potential alone. A seven-footer who moves his feet well on the defensive end of the floor and can anchor a defense because he is a solid rim protector is something that's valuable to a lot of NBA teams. And as a one-and-done prospect, I would think that somebody would want to invest in Ware at this point in the first round. Offensively, yes, he can do all of the things that traditional big men can do. Be more of a catch-and-finish guy and pick-and-roll threat on the interior. But we've also seen some flashes of really high-level three-point shooting ability, and that's both off the catch and even a little bit off the bounce. If Ware can tap into those and find ways to consistently impact games for the better, I have a feeling he's going to deliver a lot of value to any team that might be able to snatch him up outside of the lottery. There's still a lot of work to be done for Ware, but based on potential alone, I still believe in him inside the top 20 and think that his combination of fluidity and shooting is really worth buying in on. Florida State's Baba Miller has yet to play a game this season due to a bullshit NBA suspension, but we are 100% buying in on the upside that he brings to the table and just being able to tap into those tools for half of the season with the Seminoles. Miller is about 6'11 and handles the ball gracefully as a guard, can handle an attack and transition, is very, very fluid and smooth as an athlete, and has so much promise as a three-point shooter. He can drill shots in a catch-and-shoot standpoint, even off of the move and coming off of screens, as well as off the bounce. I'm just such a believer in Miller's overall offensive potential that I think he's going to be worth a gamble somewhere in the top 20, even if he isn't the most polished player this season. In the right developmental system, I'm confident that Baba can deliver top 10 potential in this year's draft class. Just an absurdly high ceiling. After two really high-risk, high-reward guys in Ware and Bob Miller, we go a little bit more certain here with Chris Murray at number 20. Just a good 3 and D role player, consistent floor spacer with smooth, easy mechanics. Good size on the wing and physicality to be able to defend multiple positions. His twin brother, Keegan, is doing the thing right now for the Sacramento Kings and has proven to be a really good NBA player. Chris and Keegan, very different brands of basketball. Chris is not as good off the bounce, though he's shown a little bit more competency this year than we thought he would. Smart cutter, really high IQ basketball player, understands his limitations, finishes well with his left hand as he is a lefty. I can foresee a career for Murray where he's just a very solid, dependable role player who knocks down shots, competes on the defensive end, can play in straight lines on offense. Can't ask for much more. 
At 21, we've got another fast riser. It's Maxwell Lewis out of Pepperdine, a sophomore for them with a really high ceiling because of his athletic potential, his length, fluidity, and just how much better he's gotten over the last 12 to 16 months. When Lewis plays in straight lines and can attack the basket, you see some high-flying ability and how impactful he can be as an off-ball player. Really smart cutter and has developed a solid catch-and-shoot three-point jumper. That's the basis of his game that gives him a dependable floor to be a good NBA pro. He's going to stand out there athletically and he's going to make enough shots in order to stay on the floor. Everything else for Lewis remains very largely untapped and it's the biggest reason why we're resisting the urge to move him a little bit higher on our draft boards at this point. He's very unpolished as an isolation creator, somebody who scores with the ball in his hands. I think there's potential for him without a doubt and the pull-up jumper and the comfort that he's shown in creating in some situations one-on-one just the flashes of quickness of getting his shot off is really impressive but he's got to learn how and when to harness it in order to be able to showcase those skills in the NBA really high ceiling for Lewis Taylor Hendricks at Central Florida has burst onto the scene as a potential one-and-done prospect. About six foot eight, maybe six nine, with long arms and really, really smooth jump shot. This is a guy who can play more as a pick-and-pop or floor-spacing wing on the offensive side of the floor. The consistency of his jump shot has been something that we've really, really enjoyed seeing from him as a freshman. On the defensive side of the floor, I think he moves his feet really well in space, can guard different wings and maybe a few smaller guards. Not necessarily an overall lockdown guy, but good enough not to be beat in straight lines. What we need to see for the rest of the season from Hendricks is how much feel he has as an offensive player. There's some passing chops in there, but he's still trying to figure out how to tap into them, as well as some pull-up scoring ability, particularly when he goes to his right. Look, it's easy to get very excited about some of the flashes that we've seen from Hendricks and how many boxes he checks as an athlete, as a defender, a floor spacer, and somebody who's just really confident as a freshman. But there's a lot to continue to clean up on here. And if he does go in the first round, I think he's going to be a multiple-year project in the NBA before he's ready to contribute at a high level. At the end of the day, upside is going to win out, and that's why Derek Lively is still a guy that we have a first-round grade on. He was a number one overall player in last year's high school class, seven-foot-one rim protector who's had trouble staying on the floor for Duke this year due to just a lack of polish on the defensive side of the floor, as well as foul issues. But I do see a little bit of switchability upside for a guy like Lively because of his length and a little bit of lateral quickness that he shows in space. To me, that's attractive if you're an NBA team. for a guy who can be good in drop coverage as well as switching onto the perimeter. Lively's offense is always going to be predicated on other guards being able to get him the ball. He's much more of a rim runner in transition and somebody who finishes off the pick and roll and in the dunker spot in the half court. Those are traits where he needs good guard play around him in order to create those wide open opportunities. I think that's something he's been missing this year at Duke. Not to slander their guard play per se, But the Blue Devils haven't committed to a pick-and-roll type of scheme that just spaces the floor around Lively and puts him in those areas to succeed. There is a small bit of shooting upside. He's not been very good this year, but I think that the upside has to be brought up in a conversation about why Lively remains a first-round prospect. It's been a tough start to the year. 
During last year's NBA Draft Combine, Jalen Wilson definitely proved that he deserves to be on the floor with professional players, and what he's done this year for the Jayhawks is take over a larger role as a creator on the offensive end of the floor. Not the most bursty athlete, but is getting to play at multiple speeds and paces because he's worked on his handle a bunch, as well as his pull-up jumper. The three-point jumper is obviously going to be key for Wilson, who projects more as an off-ball player at the next level than an on-ball one, but his ability to create on second sides, be a big wing who just consistently gets his shot off in the mid-range and knows how to move without the basketball is incredibly valuable for NBA teams. I think that Wilson is going to be a solid pro and deserving of a first-round look. The sophomore big out of Dayton, Deron Holmes, is your traditional screen-and-roll big man on the offensive side of the floor. Really athletic and bursty. You can throw the ball up to him, and he's going to go up there and get it. But he's got a good feel on the offensive side of the floor. I think he's going to be a decent short-roll playmaker, somebody that can facilitate from the top of the key within the offense. And Holmes never turns his motor off. I think that's one of the intangible pieces that I love in trying to project forward for big men. He's somebody that plays really hard on the defensive end of the floor. He can play in drop coverage. He's somewhat mobile on the perimeter, and he never stops working. The versatility, the motor, and the simplicity of his offensive game are all really appealing to me. One of the best shooters in all of college basketball is Jordan Hawkins at the University of Connecticut. Six foot five, so he's not necessarily a true wing, but plays more as a combo guard, somebody who's more of an off-ball player on the offensive side of the floor. When he gets hot, he gets really hot. Pristine form, and he's not shy about getting those shots up. I continue to see upside for Hawkins to be a really good on-ball defender because of his size and his athleticism. I think there's untapped parts to his game that make him appeal a lot more than just a shooter, even though he can do it off the catch and off the move. The biggest thing for me for Hawkins that he's got to get better at is playing simplicity in straight lines in the half court. If he can attack closeouts because he's played off the line or be a solid cutter, he's going to really expand his floor and continue to stay on the basketball court even when the shot's not falling. Caught somewhere between being a four and a five at the next level, Kyle Filipowski of Duke has really impressed us with his confidence on the offensive side of the floor. He's a very good three-point shooter. That's something we knew about him coming into this season but he's been able to do it really consistently this year for the Dukies, and I think that there's a really high chance that he is a valuable pick-and-pop floor spacer at the NBA level. To me, that's where the, the majority of his offense is going to come from. Now, I've been really impressed by Filipowski's willingness to put the ball on the floor, continue to attack off the bounce. He's doing it against wings as well as bigs, and that's going to be valuable for him at the NBA level if he's ever going to play the four. I think his handle is a lot more advanced than we anticipated coming into the season. I still have some questions about defense and what position he guards best and most naturally, but as an offensive producer and a mismatch option in the front court, I see a really high upside for Filipowski to just be a solid role player. One of the most underrated guys in college basketball right now is Ricky Council out at Arkansas. Council has been probably Arkansas's most consistent scorer this year, which is saying a lot when he's paired with two potential lottery picks that we've already run down on this list. Council's about six foot six and incredibly bursty, a great athlete who plays with a change of pace and has one of the more underrated handles in the country. His combination of handling ability and athleticism has allowed him to be one of the best finishers in college basketball this year. He's a contortionist. He fits through tight spaces, gets to his spots, has just 
real wiggle and shake at the, the last step that he makes, and he's really good with his left hand. I love guys who are versatile to finish on either side of the basket and have that creative craft with either hand. Ricky has to get a little bit more consistent as a three-point shooter. He's decent right now off of the bounce and is a little bit more of a threat to pull up in the mid-range than he is from three. But if he's going to make it in the NBA, he's going to have to add that off-ball play to his arsenal. Right now, I see a lot of upside for Council to be a good scorer, but he needs to add more to his game. At 29, we go to City Soko in the G League, about a six foot six, maybe six seven, bursty athlete who plays a lot bigger than he is, has managed to finish really well at the rim this year, and is starting to play better next to Scoot Henderson. Sissoko played over in Europe a little bit more as a point forward or point wing, somebody who created more with the ball in his hands, and while that's an important trait to have so that scouts can see that he's got a good feel as a player, it's the three-point shooting, the floor spacing, how he plays off of other creative guards that's really going to unlock his NBA potential because I don't see him as a dynamic enough athlete or scorer to create his shot consistently off the bounce as a pro. And with the last pick in the first round, we've got another freshman here right now. It's Tyrese Proctor out of Duke that would make him the fourth Blue Devil to go in our first round in this mock. About a six foot five, maybe six six point guard with really tremendous feel. Proctor is a sensational passer who isn't surrounded by a ton of floor spacing or given a great deal of pick and roll reps right now with the Blue Devils. I do foresee that Proctor's game is going to fit a little bit better at the NBA level because he's surrounded by more spacing. But the question for Proctor, similar to what we talked about earlier with a bigger guard like Anthony Black, is how does he score consistently? He's more of a below-the-rim finisher and doesn't have a really polished jump shot right now. Those are two areas that he's going to have to get better in really quickly if he wants to be a one-and-done prospect valuable in 2023.